welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling as well as the news and events around the hobby. Let's join Mike and Kentucky Dave as they strive to be informative, entertaining, and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Listeners and Dave, welcome to episode 98 of Plastic Model Mojo. We're getting close, brother. We are getting close, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a little while. Till we get to there, Dave, what's up in your model sphere? Well, uh, my model sphere has been full, not completely necessarily uh, full of the things I would like it to be full of. I'm spending a little too much time on the volunteer work for IPMS USA, the aspect of the hobby. But, you know, that's one of the things I do because I believe in it. So even when it sucks up what otherwise would be good modeling time, ultimately, it's a good investment. So I've got no complaints (laughs) about that. Uh, Other than that, I'm getting some books read, which uh, I used to be a a voracious reader and mostly of modeling and history books. And I'm finally realizing that I'm wasting way too much time staring at my phone for stupid reasons. And so I'm, I'm making myself get back into reading. That's going very, very well. So all in all, I'm, I'm fired up. My model sphere is good. How about yours? Well, one quick thing. I I noticed that, uh, Stuart Clark and company have added a what are you reading segment to their show, Scale Model Podcast. So You know, that's not a bad idea. Well, I know engineers can't really read if it's not numbers. Well, this one's an informational reader, so I don't get into a lot of fiction and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I do a fair amount of reading, just not like uh, people who read for entertainment read. Right. No, I'm, I generally don't do a lot of fiction anymore. I used to in my younger days. Almost always now, it's either it's modeling related or modeling adjacent, either modeling magazines or history books or how-to modeling books. Uh, so that's probably the case for me. So what's up in your model sphere? Well, other than breaking my car. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing not at you. I'm laughing in hopes that it eases your pain, because, man, that's bad. Well, hopefully by Friday it'll all be rectified, except for the the money ouch part of it. <laughs> well, you might as well tell people what happened. I uh, blew a head gasket trying to take my son on a hiking trip. We got on the mountain parkway, and uh, in about 60 seconds it went from uh, flashing check engine light to broken broken bad yes (laughs) over overheated it blew a head gasket yeah and for those of you who don't don't know the mountain parkway is not the most urban part of kentucky and no it's not not the best place to 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 blow a head gasket well we'll try the hiking trip again this weekend yes there you go but back to the model sphere i think uh one thing I wanted to mention is uh, 
inside the armor, Chris Metting's company uh, right. has just released a second edition of their perfect pits cockpit detailing book. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, as an ebook, it's, it's going to be put out as ebook and, uh, it's got an extra chapter in it that the, the, the hard copy version does not have. So, uh, yeah, go to inside the armor and check out what Chris is offering, uh, for this new edition of perfect pits. And, uh, it's an interesting little book. So, uh, if you're an aircraft, it might be one to, to check out. Oh, listen, here I'm telling you, the first edition was fantastic. I can't wait to see what the additional chapter is. Making it available as an ebook really makes a lot of sense. That's something where you can be staring at your phone and, and actually doing something positive for your modeling as opposed to doom scrolling through Twitter <laughs> or whatever 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 other thing distracts you on your phone well not much else in the model sphere uh we got a a birthday for the wife coming up i had my folks in town this weekend had the misfortunate uh hiking excursion uh not a lot of bench time i got a little bit in earlier in the week but we'll get to that later so yeah i just want to mention chris's book that's pretty much my model sphere dave you got it well of course it wouldn't be an episode if you didn't have modeling fluid. So, Mike, what's your modeling fluid? Uh, I've got an interesting one, Dave. I have Lark Cast Strength Single Malt Whiskey. This is from uh, Lark Distillery in Hobart, Tasmania. Oh, wow. And uh, this was a gift from our new Aussie friend of this year, Mr. Paul Gloucester. Yep. And I'm um, taking this one neat, man. That's what I got. And uh, Paul, thanks for this. It's, it was good seeing you at the Nationals, and it was good meeting you. I guess we met him at uh, we at saw Heritage him at HeritageCon. Yeah, yes. so uh, twice in one year, all the way from Australia. That's yep. It's pretty impressive. And hopefully, he'll be back at Madison. I think he was going to try, and I uh, look forward to seeing him. So, thanks yep. again, Paul. Well, Dave, what do you got? Well, I've got Real Ale Brewing Company's Brewhouse Brown Ale. And uh, this brewery is out of Blanco, Texas. I got it at the Nationals. And unfortunately, I do not know, because I didn't write it down, who gave it to me. So whatever listener you are listening who gave us the Brewhouse Brown Ale from Real Ale Brewing, please drop drop a note in the dojo or DM me. This is a brown ale with notes of coffee and chocolate, uh, about five point four percent alcohol, and we'll see. We'll see how it is. August was interesting. I guess things kind of slowed down because school getting back into summer, and then followed up by, well, Labor Day weekend was kind of on end of September this year. Yeah, a little ways. Um, Mailbag's a little light, but uh, there's some good stuff here we can talk about, Dave. And I know things were better on uh, on the Facebook Messenger, so yes, let's dive in. You got it. Up first, Bob Bear, the voice of Bob, and he is sending us a show announcement. It's the upcoming Region 12 contest sponsored by the Charlotte Scale Modelers and, and uh, the Gaston County Model Builders. So I guess it's going to be a joint affair between the two clubs. That's a good way to do a regional. It is a little, little more lift in there with the extra half day or full day. However, they decide to do it. Um, let me check the date here. It's going to be Saturday, November 4th. So it's okay. going to be a, a one-dayer. A one-day uh, regional. 
they're splitting it 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, November 4th at the Gaston County Citizens Resource Center at uh, 1303 Dallas Cherryville Highway, Dallas, North Carolina. And uh, tell you what, we'll put this flyer up on the dojo and it's got the points of contact for the show. But uh, if you're in the uh, greater Charlotte area or anywhere in the southeast around North Carolina, Charlotte, that's uh, commutable to this show, uh, check it out. Well, and and you know what? November, a lot of places in the U.S., the weather has turned, but North Carolina, that's a, that's a good place for a November show. Yeah, it won't be too bad. No? Now, I remember going to a Charlotte show in my youth with uh, Mr. Ida Cabbage a long time ago, and we had to detour up into Virginia and come back down into North Carolina so we didn't have to cross the mountains because it had snowed the night before. And uh, Oh, wow. Wasn't too bad. It wasn't, wasn't too bad the way we went, but uh, wasn't so great if we'd gone the more preferred route but anyway that's neither here nor there bob thanks for the heads up and uh hopefully you guys have a stellar attendance up next tim cavalier and uh (laughs) tim sends me his blessings uh i'm about to visit the ninth level of hell apparently because uh the uh i can't remember who started it who's i guess mr goldfinch started up the musaru group build page right and uh, a lot of uh, listeners to the across the pods are chiming in with their own versions of that build just to play along. Yep. And uh, I need to really look at the copy of the kit I got, but apparently the one Tim got is uh, a flash laden nightmare. Oh man, N- nightmare in a box. So he says, uh, lay in a double supply of modeling fluid, lock the door of the modeling room, and sacrifice three bottles of Tamiya extra thin when you <laughs> decide to tackle this one. So uh, uh, that's not good news. No, that's not. But then again, you've never shied away from a challenge. You faced an Allen kit. What could possibly scare you at this point? Uh, you know, just looking at it, I didn't notice a little flash on the parting lines on the cab and stuff. But uh, the rest of it seemed okay, but I, I may be gravely mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Tim, for the heads up. And I'll take a hard look at that because – what I'm planning on doing with it, I'm going to have to have a pretty clean build. So it sounds like I've got my work cut out for me. Tim Cavalier from his own private Idaho. Yep. Up next is Paul Wheeler. And uh, Paul was uh, appreciating uh, our conversation with uh, John Charvat about amps. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was wanting to know where he could find more information about the convention. He asked me specifically or us, and uh, I gave him some information, albeit kind of dated because I haven't been to an uh, an AMPS national convention in, in a long time. Uh, he's wanting to know about judging because he's wondering if he would be able to not stay until Saturday, given that the judging starts as soon as he gets there. If he arrived on one of the earliest days, his model would be judged presumably, which is probably a yeah. fair assumption. Uh, but four days is a long time for him on this one. And it'd be better if he could get out or Friday, maybe even or Saturday morning. So, I don't know. I, I gave him some uh, info based on uh, past experience. I think it'd be tough to leave if if you if you received a, an award, a gold, silver, silver, or bronze, and any of the higher stuff. Most of that's not going to be put out when the models are put out. Right. At least they didn't do it that way before. I told him to get on their website and reach out to John or or some of the other members and uh, see see what they can tell him about that. I, I know I had to leave an AMM show early one time and. They accommodated that, so a lot of the same people, yeah. especially, especially uh, with current crowds. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't I, be surprised if they wouldn't make accommodations for somebody who's who's got that situation. Uh, you know, the amps guys are uh, really good guys. 
and they really they're that one of the focuses of amps and their contests is making the contest experience better for the entrance. So it would not surprise me if they're willing to to make an effort. Up next is uh, Greg Edmonds, and he's also from North Carolina, like Bob. He's from Mint Hill, North Carolina. I'm not familiar with Mint Hill. I have to look that one up. Yeah. Uh, he's wanting to model, well, finish a couple of armor models in a relatively clean appearance. Uh, you know, a newish vehicle. Yeah. Uh, not covered with mud, not with a lot of damage. And uh, he's wanting any suggestions we might offer to show a a modestly weathered vehicle that's basically clean, but not like showroom fresh. So, uh, Greg, this used to be my kind of build style, actually. I typically modeled vehicles that were fully kitted out, typically not a lot of stowage, if any, and no damage to show it as, as it would have shown up to a unit new, probably. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, back then it was all paint wash, dry brush. So it, it got that treatment, but, I, you know, I wasn't bending fenders and, and, uh, and putting a lot of mud and, and rust and dust and stuff on it. Not that, that all that was that popular back when I was finishing models in that style. Anyway, I don't know. He, he's, he's, tr- he's thinking his usual tech techniques and, and, uh, things are going to lend it to be more dirtier than what he had in mind. I, I, all I can say is you just got to back off on all that stuff and uh, approach it gradually. I think to get to the, get, get to the point you're looking for. And let's take a lesson from C- from Steve Hustad here. Uh, Steve spends a lot of his time testing and experimenting. So if that's what you're wanting to do, get yourself a mule and experiment with different levels of weathering different applications to see what works and what doesn't, what overweathers, what underweathers. Uh, the old saying that the, the more you sweat and practice, the less you bleed in combat has an analog in modeling, which is that the more you experiment and test and and play around with techniques and ideas, the less you're going to have a bad experience when you're actually finishing the completed model. Oh, yeah. That's something I've embraced in, in the recent years since we started the podcast is not to think I got to try my new thing on my my latest and greatest project. Exactly. I I will tell you I am I have probably done more experimentation in the last 3 years than I did in the 10 or 15 before that. Same here, man. So, yeah. So Greg, find something to practice on and uh, get it get it to where you want it and uh, maybe take a few some notes along the way with what you're doing and mixing ratios and what products you're using and uh, you'll you'll find it. You'll find a sweet spot. Yeah. John Flock from uh, IPMS Duneland up in Indiana there, Dave. Mm-hmm. We told them at, uh, I guess, the National Convention, or oh, at Indy. It was at Indy. Yeah. Uh, you were talking to these guys about promoting their 2022 contest and possibly coming on the show and uh, giving their pitch and telling us about what they got going on. I think that's a great idea. We yep. told them to contact us in September because their show is in October, October, October 14th. So it's a little ways off yet, but... Uh, Let's try to get with those guys and maybe set up something for okay. the October 12-minute model sphere. You got it. That guys, if you're listening, shoot us a DM and we'll 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 get it arranged. Because our first episode in October is going to be our 100th episode and there's right. That that's probably not going to mesh with that too well, but we'll yep. make good and uh 
or we could record a segment between now and then and uh, get it in 99 too. That would might, might also work. So uh, guys, we'll do that and get you on here and tell, tell your story uh, and uh, good luck with the show ahead of time. Yes. All right. And finally, from the email side of things, Dave is uh, Mr. Kyle Alred. Okay. And uh, he has a question for the wheels, which I'm not going to divulge. Good. But I'm going to use this as a segue to uh, remind folks that we have the 100th episode coming up early October. And uh, that's going to be a Patreon, PayPal, and uh, maybe an extended call-in show. And we're going to be running the Wheel of Accidental Wisdom and uh, taking callers uh, one at a time and uh, letting you join us for a spin on the wheel and having your say about what the topic happens to be. So if you have a question or a topic you would like to see placed on the wheel, whether you intend on calling in or not, please send that via email and any other email folks, please, please. We love the email. This is one of my favorite segments on the show. I've said that repeated times and all that email can go to plastic model mojo at gmail.com. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more topics, Dave. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, what, uh, what's been happening on Facebook Messenger? Well, uh, uh, a number of things have been happening on Facebook Messenger. Well, first and foremost, we got, <laughs> this is my fav- one of my favorite interactions, Malcolm Childs of Just Making Conversation reached out because he had been listening to our episode and recent episode and realized that number 100 was coming up. And uh, so he emailed or uh, DM to to congratulate us and thanking us for when they started all of the input that we mostly you gave them regarding the mechanics of everything. And then he and I had a discussion about tea and biscuits, uh, or as we would call them over here cookies, but uh, somebody had suggested to them that they have a tea and biscuit modeling recommendation like we have for modeling fluid. Uh, Malcolm uh, informs me that hobnobs is the proper biscuit choice and English breakfast tea is the uh, recommended tea. So it was a fun... (laughs) We were teasing each other back and forth. Uh, and a lot uh, of other people were too. So. Yeah, so it, it was kind of it was kind of enjoyable to to have a little fun with one of our friends over across the across the pond, and we appreciate uh, the good thoughts and the thanks. That was very very kind. Charles Rice had reached out because he was looking for a bourbon recommendation and uh, was trying to remember what you were currently enamored with the uh, Russell's 10 year uh, old Forster 1920 prohibition style. And we interacted a couple of times. He finally settled on Woodford reserve. Oh, I saw that. And Charles, you are not going to regret that. And your price point is pretty good too. I got to say, uh, uh, I'm not sure where Charles is, but uh, he, he got a pre- he got that Woodford for a pretty decent price. So, uh, you won't be disappointed. What else? Well, uh, William Scantleberry, and let's see if I know where William is from. You know, with Facebook, it's always so hard to tell where people are from. Well, we quit prompting folks for that, and they, they yeah. stopped doing it. So yeah. I'll say, while you're looking, I'll say, folks, please tell us where you are. 
Yeah, doesn't have to be an address completely, but a, a city and state or city and nation, wherever you happen to be. Uh, we just like to know our reach and uh, where folks are coming at us from. So yeah, please, please include that information with all your correspondence. We really appreciate it. Well, he's he's making his way back through the back catalog, and he was listening to episode fifty one, and we were talking about women in modeling and the you know the rarity of it and how we're starting to see more of it and all. And uh, he brought to uh, our attention a female modeler that he's familiar with who builds semi-tractor trailer uh, trucks. She has spina bifida and is in a wheelchair, but she produces beautiful trucks. He sent us a a couple of screenshots from... of. uh, one of her one of her semis, and man, that's some beautiful work. You know, even among automotive semi tractor trailers or semi trucks, is is it's almost the helicopters of aircraft <laughs> in in automotive I because the, the size and the chrome and exactly yeah. exactly. And man, this this woman he doesn't provide her name, but this woman is doing a beautiful job and uh, i'm happy to see that because frankly uh you know the more diverse modeling becomes i think it's better for everybody there is a value to diversity and so i was uh i was really interested to see it and thank you for listening to the back catalog and thank you for for chiming in so anybody who's listening to the back catalog it doesn't matter that we recorded the episode a year ago. If you hear something and you want to comment on it or want to message us about it, we're more than happy to have you do that. We really are. Uh, we're just happy people are listening. <laughs> Got a DM from a person. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a goldfinch and, and butcher a name here. Dmitry Chizikov, the second who I think is in Scotland or Ireland, Dmitry Chizikov, but uh, he brought to my attention a particular model painting style that he had seen. Oh, this is that car. Yes, this is that car. What the person had done is they took a car model and instead of painting it, as you would see most car models in most contests or or whatever. Yeah, magazines or whatever. Right. This person painted it as if it was an illustration in a comic. And it's it's really unusual looking. I'll, I'll you know what? I will put a link he get provided the link to this and I'll put that link in the show notes and maybe I'll post it to the dojo as oh, well. I've, yeah. Um because copy it out and paste re, re paste it so anybody can anybody can see it in the dojo. And what's really weird is okay, the first the first moment you look at it, it's so different that it's kind of shocking. But if you stare at it for a minute and then suddenly it clicks in your mind what this person was doing. It's really, really interesting as an exercise in taking the art of modeling to the next level and blending it with yeah. 
Or in in a different direction. Yes, in a completely different direction. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, but what it really shows is somebody who is taking the art of modeling and blending it, stretching it, doing things with it that maybe are not classical in what we would consider straight-up modeling, but doing so in really interesting ways and showing artistic technique, just every bit as artistic as somebody who weathers a model really well or, you know, does one of those U.S. Navy uh, paint schemes uh, and and represents a, a really weathered U.S. Navy aircraft. And the more I stared at this thing, the more I really, really found it interesting. So I'll put it up on the dojo and I'll 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 put it in the show notes. So it'll it'll make you think if you stare at it for a little bit. <laughs> we got any more? Two more, and they're both related. Uh, Kevin Kelly. And our friend Stephen Lee both reached out because some people are aware that, uh, again, we're making, we of us on the IPMS USA eBoard are right now putting in a little more work than we'd like to be because we're having to deal with things. And so both of them reached out and just uh, to say thank you, re- recognizing the fact that I and the other eboard members are spending time doing things that take up our time when we'd rather be doing modeling. So both both Kevin and Steven, I, I really appreciate that. That and you all aren't the only ones. I got lots of emails, I got texts, and uh I I appreciate that. I appreciate the recognition that the time I'm sacrificing doing this is time that has value uh, and hopefully will lead to improvements down the road. And so I want to thank those two and everybody else who reached out in any way. So that was kind of nice. That's your mailbag, Dave. That's that's the DM side, man. Again, if you want to talk to us, you can do so by sending an email to plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com and please give us some topics for the wheel. We love to have them. And yes. uh, if you don't want to do the email, you can uh, contact uh, contact us through Facebook Messenger. So that, that works just as well, too. As you've seen, we've kind of split yep. duties here between us for both uh, both avenues of communication and it's working out well. So that's it for listener mail. Yep. When you all get done listening to this episode, if you haven't done it already, please go to whatever podcasting app you listen, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, I think Stitcher is now being killed off by uh, uh, SiriusXM, which bought it, but uh, Podcast Addict, there are tons of them out there. Just please go and rate the podcast. We'd appreciate it if you'd give it five stars. It helps us become more visible. The more visibility we get, the more listeners eventually find us. Additionally, if you're listening to this podcast, 
You probably know a friend who's a modeler who isn't listening to the podcasts. If you would reach out to them, you may have to help them a little to show them how to download a podcasting app and how to subscribe to Plastic Model Mojo. If you'd help them do that, we'd appreciate it. It is the single best way that we get new listeners. And again, the podcast continues to grow, uh, much to Mike and I's surprise at some point. Uh, but it's it's really the the folks who are listeners now who are helping to continue to grow the podcast, and we'd appreciate it if you'd keep doing it. In addition to that, please check out all the other podcasts out there in the model sphere, and you can do so by going to www.modelpodcast.com. That's model podcast plural. It's a consortium website set up with the help of Stuart Clark at Scale Model Podcast up in Canada, and at modelpodcast.com, you can go to that URL and you'll find the banner links to all the other podcasts who are participating with us in the spirit of cross promotion. Check it out. Modelpodcast.com. In addition to the podcast, we've got several blog and YouTube friends. We like to plug every episode among those is one you just mentioned, Mr. Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Frets. He's got a long and short form blog. Uh, and I assume we're going to be seeing something from him on this, uh, uh, thinly veiled mention of yours about yes. <laughs> the topics of the goings on. I imagine. <laughs> Jeff Groves, the Inch High Guy, Inch High Guy blog, uh, all things 72nd scale. Um, looking forward to seeing Jeff at our regional convention here coming up in a couple of weeks. Me too. Hopefully, hopefully makes makes it down. Yep. And one I really, <laughs> folks really need to check out is uh, Chris Wallace, model airplane maker, his blog and YouTube channel. Uh, Chris has been busy moving into a new house. And uh, I think uh, modelers are unique because uh, modelers are a, community of people who one of the first things they do after they move into their new house is port one of the exterior walls yeah. for, for a spray booth. And he's been wrestling with that and crawling in the crawl space. And uh, uh, there's some comedy gold going to come out of this probably oh, on yeah. his blog and uh, on a segment we're going to do with him uh, once he gets all settled down and cozies up to his new uh, model workshop. So looking forward to that. Jim Bates, Scale Canadian TV, YouTube channel. Jim's yep. always got something uh, to say and I uh, hope he's adopted his foster dogs going well. And uh, Yeah, his foster dog has just been adopted by a new family. So it was a great experience for him. And uh, the adopt the uh, foster has now got a permanent home. And it was a great experience for Jim. And I think he's going to be doing it again soon. <laughs> well, He's got a modeling YouTube channel too. So, uh, man, we're, yeah. we're all over the map tonight. We got dogs and, uh, bourbon recommendations and, and all kinds problems. of stuff and car and car problems. This is the, uh, life of life of Mike and Dave episode. I guess. That's right. Ah, <laughs> uh, who else we got? We've got, uh, Evan McCallum, Panzermeister 36. Please check out his uh, YouTube channel and all his, uh, armor modeling, building reviews and weathering videos he's got out there. And, uh, Always looking for something new from Evan. Yeah, I'm waiting for a new episode, Evan. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> Jones and man. So if you're not a member of IPMS USA, IPMS Canada, your national IPMS chapter, please consider joining. The IPMS national organizations do a lot for modeling in their respective countries. Uh, they also coordinate among the different national branches. 
And as I mentioned earlier, some folks, they're all volunteer organizations. So these are modelers who are giving up a little bit of their time to try and make your modeling experience better. So I'd appreciate it if you consider joining. Additionally, if you're an armor modeler, consider joining AMPS. Uh, they are a armor-focused modeling society. They have chapters all over not only the U.S., but all over the world. And they're having an upcoming national in South Bend, Indiana, uh, next April. And if you've never been to an AMPS national, it's well worth seeing. It's a it's a really good experience. So join their national organization as well. Well, Dave, let's have a word from our sponsor, Dr. Strangebrush at Model Paint Solutions. You got it. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. Well, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about the All-American Red, White, and Blue IPMS National Convention 2024 in Madison, Wisconsin. And at this point, time of this recording, we are 314 days away from the IPMS National Convention. It's moving quick. It's moving quick. We'll be under 300 soon. At the Monona Terrace uh, Community and Convention Center, Madison, Wisconsin. It's a uh, interesting Frank Lloyd Wright architecture. Yep. Rather expansive, I, I take. Yes, it's got a. We are going to have a huge amount of space. So uh, the folks who attended San Marcos, uh, you will be pleasantly surprised by how much additional space is up at this facility. There's going to be a huge area for display only models for people who don't want to enter the contest but want to bring their models and display them for the enjoyment of their fellow modeler. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a really, really nice facility. And there's a push kind of growing behind the scenes, kind of grassroots to try to make this uh, one of the best Nats ever. So. Absolutely. Given, given its proximity to Canada, we are hoping that our friends in America's hat, AKA the great white North, uh, are going to come out in force. This is about as close to the Canadian border as a U.S. national has been in quite a while. So there's no excuse excuse for our Canadian cousins not to come down in force to to be a, a force to be reckoned with at the show because there are a lot of great Canadian modelers. Uh, we know a lot of them personally. I'm hoping that we'll have a huge Canadian turnout at Madison. Well, the show is July 17th through 20th, 2024. Uh, not a lot out there yet, but uh, you can keep up with all the latest developments from uh, Jeff Hearn and his team at Nats2024.com. That's the official uh, convention website. That's Nats2024.com. So uh, hopefully uh, it'll turn out to be awesome as the last few were and uh, even better even better they're getting better and better well we're doing something a little different folks uh this time this is the uh 
episode where we're going to move things around a little bit and uh, we're going to move our special segment up a few segments and uh, get that in the show a little earlier and see what folks think about that. You still got to hang around, listen to the other stuff though. We'll be upset. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had the pleasure recently of talking to uh, Lincoln Wright of Machine and Krieger fame about his upcoming book. Had a nice conversation with him. We knew we were going to, and uh, he's been making the rounds on some of the other pods. So it's kind of timely that he got on with us too. So Dave, let's get into our conversation with Lincoln. We're going to go off our normal beaten path tonight. We have a special guest, Mr. Lincoln Wright of uh, Machine and Krieger fame. Lincoln, how are you doing tonight? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We appreciate it. You are certainly one of the movers and shakers in this genre, and I'm going to be honest with you up front. Uh, uh, you've got some uh, clay in your hands because Dave and I are both kind of uh, machining Krieger neophytes. I wouldn't say we're completely ignorant of the genre, but uh, we are probably not as versed as some of the other podcasts you, you've you've appeared on. And, and uh, I, I've I've listened to all those interviews. So I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show, and I appreciate you joining us. Wow. Thank you very much for doing your due diligence. And you still wanted to speak with me. We got to have some fun with Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Sure. I'll do, I'll do my best. Thank you. Yeah. After those interviews, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you more because this is because of its uniqueness to us. And I think a lot of the, the quote unquote regular modeling world. It's a it's a fascinating subject. Lincoln, when we were scheduling you to, to be on, we had a little conversation and, and uh I'm gonna back up to the, the national convention we just attended and modeler Brian Krieger put on a seminar there about uh basically basically it was a primer on machine and Krieger, the genre. Mm-hmm. And he really did a good job and it's just been really interesting going back after after I saw that and and looking back on some of the other interviews you've done on the other podcasts and got a good feeling for the for the journey you've been on and and you've got a new book coming out which we're going to talk about but I want to back up a little bit before that and sure. um, f- from your from your website uh, paintonplastic.com if I'm not mistaken Yes. I believe that I believe that's correct. Uh, back in June of 2019, uh, I think it was your. Uh, I may get this wrong, but uh, tea, tea time with Lincoln or something like that. Something I, along those lines. I vaguely uh, remember. Yes. <laughs> yes, and it was it was your telling of the story uh, with your family visit to uh, Cal Yokoyama-san. Ah, and uh right, the right, right. this is this is pre-Lincoln Report volume one. Right. And right. so that was pre any of my books. I hadn't done a standalone book yet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So let's kind of roll it back there. Cool. You've you've told your story, and it's an amazing story uh, about your your work with, with Yokoyama-san and uh, being a, a non-Japanese working for a Japanese company, which was that's and a an amazing thing in it in its own right a really fascinating story but this this i guess to make short of this little bit right here um this was kind of a preface it's also pre-pandemic so a lot of a lot of stuff went on yes, uh, yes. from june 2019 but this was uh, i didn't realize it was pre your other books but you were kind of hinting towards some books in this converse well it was it was a monologue basically yeah. uh about that so this is i, I think when you were you were granted the title sensei from uh, Yokohama-san. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. 
And wow, that happened. Since then, uh, Starbucks still asks for my five bucks to get a, a latte. <laughs> but but that was quite that was quite a thing, yeah. And uh, I remember writing about it. It feels like it feels both a long time ago and just yesterday. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, how you just said that you've written is pre any of your publications. Yes. So you you've 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 uh, I'll let you tell who you've 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 pinned for, and then get into. Uh, and let me make one correction. Uh, we do. Yes. In our little uh, short segment we do at the beginning of every month, I said this was uh, uh, Luna Combat Volume 2. That's not quite correct. This is uh, the Lincoln Report Volume 2, and the title of Volume 2 is Luna Combat. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Thank Uh, you for knowing that. Thank you very much. (laughs) So take us through how you went from these third-party kind of involvements to to the Lincoln Report Volume 1 and then on to, to your new book. Now, you're asking me difficult questions that I have not stumbled through before. So (laughs) (laughs) you're requiring me to think. And I've only had like like 10 cups of coffee today, so that might be a challenge. But sure, uh, there was quite the transition by countries as well as as role because I was coming from being a behind-the-scenes studio artist uh, worker, worker bee, writing and uh, preparing models for for the property, uh, up to then working more on the the, the front end of things, uh, preparing it for direct publication, if that makes sense. So, mm. um, the first uh, first book opportunity that I had to work on, uh, we were going to zoom straight into the the Lincoln Report, and again, I, I'm not so uh, like crazily narcissist that I called it after myself. Yokoyama-san demanded that I call it that. I think it's mostly so he can sidestep any blame for the stuff I get wrong in the books. <laughs> but he wanted it to be—he wanted it to be, as you've mentioned, it's that unique point of view that I'm able to to, to bring to you know, both the genre and, he, and even like some aspects of scale modeling. We could say because I got to be a, a Westerner uh, who grew up in Japan. Um, who's got into scale modeling and then worked in scale modeling. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of squeezed myself into being a, uh, you know, a, an apprentice, if you will, uh, to, to Yokoyama-san, who's a, he's, he's a proper artist. He, um, he's a, an lecturer at, uh, at an art university as well. Uh, his specialty is actually Western painting. He's a Rembrandt expert. Really? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that, really, Machine and Krieger is actually connected to Rembrandt, believe it or not. That, that, okay, you're good. That's oh, yeah, the, really a lot of really cool details. Yeah. That yeah. you've got a Japanese artist who is classically trained in what, the Western fine arts, particularly the, the great masters, Rembrandt. And through that, Somehow, out the other end comes Machine and Krieger. Now, I can add something even better to that, Kentucky Dave, that you love because All it's right. U.S. because it's U.S. based. Uh, the Japanese filmmakers were taking a lot of inspiration from uh, both U.S. and I'd say uh, British filmmakers, sci- sci-fi filmmakers at the time. Mm-hmm. So. Um, he was also working through university as a uh, prop maker for television studios 
Um, you know those crazy Japanese things where they get the guy dressed up in a huge suit? Oh, the rubber um, monster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they homage it. Kaiju. Really, they, wow, dude, you guys know your stuff. Did, did you see that really awesome homage in Arrested Development? Yes. And yes. Uh, I think it was Mike, uh, George Michael. They had flying around in a, in a, in a, in a suit over the small <laughs> village. And, yeah. So anyway, sorry, funny aside. Yeah. So Yokoyama-san was working on that too. So they were also uh, really heavily involved with prop making and prop photography for television and movies. So that combination kind of came together. So there's that Rembrandt study that we were talking about combined with prop making and they happened to dovetail together perfectly for this opportunity that would have come up for him with the SF3D, the, the precursor to the Machine and Krieger property. Right. So, yeah, like, well, what an interesting background, right? And I, just, just some, some random guy happened to, to stumble in. My saving grace was I spoke Japanese already. I spoke Japanese really well because beer and girls and uh, – I was super interested in scale modeling and happened to have been doing it a fair bit. So, you know, I just, and being a movie buff as a and TV buff, the, that communication shortcut, uh, it helped us talk together before the show, which was really cool. That's also what happened for myself and Yokoyama-san because he's a real fan of international, especially U.S. movies. I've wasted a lot of my life watching stuff like that. So being able to <laughs> being able to communicate with him using that as a kind of shorthand was uh, really instrumental to to getting that opportunity as well. Really sorry if I've gotten if I've gotten off the the topic there, but no, we call that an education, not wasting time. Exactly, it you were educating yourself. Education. You just didn't realize what 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 your profession was going to be that you would utilize that education interestingly it was coming up daily and we'd talk and because the, the the whole team the whole uh you know the, the the panel of people standing around us they're all japanese japanese gentlemen and they'd have no idea what the june movie was what you know just various things that we would even things like um one of the looks that we were going for on one big shoot was um, Black Hawk Down, Ridley Scott's version. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, that, that high contrast kind of look. By mm-hmm. mentioning that, we instantly knew what was in each other's minds, and that really helped to, to move the process forward. And then – Strange way to drop it. You, you, Sorry well, about that, no, 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 that's no, we're fine. Doing, <laughs> we're doing great. You, you, you went on so – your your third party authors authorships are are prior to Lincoln Report Volume One, I assume. Yes, yes, yes. So we were. I was working on the models for that, and the opportunity came up to um, the AK Interactive. Uh, I guess he's the owner, um, Fernando, mm-hmm. reached out because probably because he wanted to pill for me from making content for Miguel. He's. <laughs> Wait a minute, are you suggesting there's competition between those two groups? It's almost like they try to outdo one another. I, you know, I'm, I'm very confused by the whole thing. Uh, but yes, so he, he reached out to, uh, you know, to, to inquire as to whether I would have some interest in one of their FAQ titles. And I'll be re- I was very honest with him, and I also confessed to Miguel. I said, the reason I'm going to work with Fernando 
is not to piss you off, but because the very first book that Miguel gifted me on one, on when, when he visited Japan, when, when I was working with uh, these companies we met, he gave me his FAQ2. The, yes. um, I think it was – it wasn't their first one, but it was the first real one, wasn't it? Right. The I've gr- got the, that. The green cover one. And I yeah. think it's got the – it's got the T34 on the cover. Yeah. So yeah. Fernando reached out with that opportunity. And of course, I jumped on it because I'm a big fan of those FAQ books uh, to a point. And they're wonderful product catalogs, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. I made yes, one. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, hey, I, that, that tradition goes back <laughs> a long way. We can talk about VLS books if you want. And, Verli- oh, and the Verlinden that. series. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. So now I've heard of them. That one does predate me. So I'm a little bit, <laughs> I, I've just heard a little bit about them. But yeah, so uh, Fernando offered that one. I was very happy to do it. Uh, that that took at least, uh, that was three years and took us into COVID, which was uh, interesting. Uh, and after that, I was able to then you know, turn the focus back on to uh, this, this, my own series that I organized with your grandma's the uh, MAK Lincoln Report, and it's supposed to be uh, my story through the Machine and Krieger uh, property, through the genre, uh, the things I've learned from Yoko Yamazan, but how I've misrepresented them. I mean, <laughs> how, <laughs> how I've been able to adapt them. And uh, I've continued that with the second version, the second uh, issue of it just now. That's probably why I'm a little bit punch drunk this morning because I've been <laughs> signing books. I've been signing books all morning. Um, uh, they've just arrived and I'm I'm zooming through that now. That's a that's a humble brag, by the way. I'm signing yes. books this morning. Yes. Well, it, having some both of those people wanted it signed. So there you I, go. <laughs> You're signing them whether they want them or not. <laughs> I've been defacing books all morning. Yeah. Well, I'm through through when I was younger through martial arts, Japanese martial arts. Um, I'm somewhat familiar with the the customs, the history, the everything else. I even speak just a little Japanese. That's um, a humble brag too. That's, by that's the way. a humble brag too. Um <laughs> yeah. you're 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 above me. Okay. Toretto Benjo Ohio Gazaimas. That's about the extent of where that just happened. No, but I uh, just out of politeness though, you, you always have to speak when you always have to speak Japanese to give someone an opportunity to to also flip over to it. Yeah. So I, that wasn't meant to be a, a thing. I just wanted to offer you the opportunity. <laughs> that was that was fine. No, what I was going to say is, it's it's very unusual for. I mean, and this is not an insult, but Japanese by their nature are a very closed culture. They oh. are reluctant to let in people who are not native Japanese. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that- It's not an insult. Actually, Kentucky Dave, I think that is a highly accurate assessment, and Japanese people would agree with it. And and so so for them to not only work with you, but to bring you in and to, to centralize you and your work in- part of their overall field. I mean that's that's really unusual mm. for for 
I mean, it's a high honor. It's a, it's a, a real compliment to you and what they saw in you that they were willing to do that. See, if I was smart, I would say <laughs> thank you and there shut you up. <laughs> no, but you can go but on. I'm That's not. <laughs> but I'm not. And I'm, I'm probably far enough. I've got enough space now so that I can just politely mention that it was not without some uh, trials and tribulations. I'll bet. So, yeah. But it was. It was quite a thing. And that was, you know, special thanks to, to the boss guys. Now, he was the most unusual part of it. The very top people were the ones who were most open to it because I think they're the smartest. And <laughs> No, 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 not because of their age or anything. No, it was because yeah. they – they could because they the chose you and <laughs> no 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 I'm not kidding. that no, I, I, it's very it's very funny I, like I, I get the gag but they were like <laughs> oh, no hey we're stuck with this idiot until someone comes along who's better but um, <laughs> the I think they could they could also see the future in that they needed to expand they needed to go beyond the the current reach that they had because it had been internalized and. and almost trapped within Japan for so long. Yes, yes, there were folks out there bringing it out, uh, out to, to the West, and, and you know, they, 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 they were excellent, but it was they, they needed to show a little bit more. So I think there was a bit, of, a bit to that as well. So do you think there was an actual conscious decision that, yeah. okay, you've got you and your talent and your love of, of this arena, and their thinking he's our opening to the West as it were. No, 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 no. It was, okay. uh, I, I, and I can be, I can, I can be very clear because I remember it so clearly. No, uh, initially it was, I, it was also a way for them to, uh, how do I say it? When I, you can probably hear, so I, I lived there longer. I lived in Japan longer than I've lived, not in Japan. So, right. Once I speak, and when I'm in that little world, it, there's something wrong with the picture, but otherwise everything's okay. Uh, when I speak with them, etc. Now, now I, I don't speak Japanese perfectly because it's 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 quite difficult, and there was, oh. there was often words I, I would just have never uh, been uh, bounced into before. You just you just can't know them. But uh, there were more. They were Max, for example, Max Watanabe Sensei. That's the good smile gentleman. Yeah, he wanted me for the painting. He wanted me to be a painting mule and painting test subject for him. He really wanted to to get my looks, so that was part of it. And Yokoyama-san, he seemed to be really enthralled by the slightly different take I did on things. Um, so it was like an, an, an injection of a visual from the outside. Um, gotcha. Plus, because a lot of their work were, was actually being written in English, it didn't hurt to have someone who looked like he might be able to speak English <laughs> to, to, to write some of the, 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 the stories that went on the, uh, the back of the boxes. So there was a bit of that too. I would like to think if uh, you know, it would be wonderful for me to say, you know, I was Dave 
you know, Dave Filoni doing all the stuff for LucasArts now. Yeah. I'd, mm-hmm. li- I'd, li- I'd like to pretend that it was this forward thinking, but I know it wasn't. And they did not expect me to, to leave Japan because I'd already, I'd already passed a couple of, um, what would you call them? They're, they're, they're almost like, um, we talked about Dune before. Do you remember what was the the name? The Gomjaba. Do you remember that test? They put their hand in the box and oh yeah, if you move if you move your hand, you cop the, the jab in right. the neck and fear yeah, is so, a little death. That one. Yeah. I'd already been through a couple of them because we went through the there was a, a large that earthquake disaster. All of the uh, most of the foreigners they started calling foreigners flygin because they all ran off in airplanes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once uh, once things went badly. So because I stayed for that, I'd kind of passed this little sort of test. Um, so they didn't expect me to leave. Uh, it was, and again, uh, just because people are wondering why, it was because my uh, my daughter demanded to go to school in English. So um, we, 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 we've moved back to Australia to make that. Why did, okay, just and this is a completely non-modeling related. So why did so, your daughter want to go to school in English? Yeah. Um, I hope she's okay with me talking about her. Hey, Tabs, if you listen to this. We can cut this. this out if you need to. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, no, because th- th- this part is quite central to our story. So my daughter, uh, her name's uh, Tabs, she... Uh, she didn't like me speaking Japanese. She would catch me at home and say, Dad, Mum has a Japanese face. She speaks Japanese. You have an English face. You should speak <laughs> English. <laughs> so that was just decided from a small child. She had, she had made that decision. And she decided that she was an English speaker. Um, she actually does not... She she takes Japanese as, as a subject now, an, uh, an academic subject, but we were allowed for her to study it at school because her Japanese is bad enough, if that's the way to say it, because she wouldn't even use chopsticks when we lived there. You know, the, <laughs> my wife would ask the ask a waitress to, to also bring a, like a knife and fork, yeah, and they'd put it in front of me, and, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the kid would lean over and go, no, that's, that's mine. So... That was a big part of it. My daughter kind of, she decided that she wanted to, to grow up in the other world that I represented. So it was, up to, it was up to middle-aged dad to make that happen. That's fascinating. That just as an aside, that's fascinating. Fascinating is one word. Exhausting yeah. is the other. Well, uh, yeah. I imagine that's a hey, hard move. That's hey, a big, big move. Hey, hmm. what, that what they say about children is true. The days are long, but the years are short. My mm. my two daughters, nineteen and sixteen, I swear I blinked and it suddenly happened. Mm. Oh, congratulations on having two daughters! Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> a, that's a thing, man. Both are adopted from China. I'm not sure if you're messing with me or not. No, they are both adopted from China. Both of my wow, daughters that's pretty are, cool, then. Yeah. yeah. So my <laughs> one my one touchdown in in Japan was three outers in the waiting area at Narita Airport going huh. from Narita to Beijing. Wow. No, that's that's fascinating. I have questions, but <laughs> politeness and embarrassment has, has me refraining. Off the air, I'll answer anything you want. Well, Link, after the third party yeah. authoring 
you, you got into, I guess, Lincoln Report Volume 1, which is MK44. Is that right? Correct. Yes, that's right. And I assume there's there's a transition there. You have... Uh, <laughs> After the yeah. video I mentioned earlier, you you yes. are you are a sensei now. Yes. Well, the that one was the, 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 the that was the plan had been decided to to go ahead with a an official story, uh, Machine and Krieger. I had tried to get jokingly some people behind the scenes in the AK team were calling it their MAK book, but um, I understand their position as well. They needed it to be more rounded with sci-fi. So as an, as an inside kind of story, I did squeeze it as far as I could. It, it contains the maximum possible machining Krieger <laughs> that was allowed by the publisher. Um, so th- that was part. But, uh, yes, they're then bringing it back to uh, ones being – and they're published by myself. I had to learn how to – to, to do this okay well, uh, i've been able to bring back the mak lincoln report which i feel it's not it's just different to the, the ak book is excellent in that it's quite broad and we cover a lot of technical type things but i wanted a bit more story to be involved with that mk44 and sorry I, the, the question i'm not sure how far to go off topic i don't want to ramble and and put your put your You're listeners fine. to sleep but See, Mark 44, it struck me as a fantastic uh, topic because it's limited. And it was a nice way to touch on to Machine and Krieger because it's not. Technically, it's not. Uh, the Mark 44 is the first plastic kit from a side story uh, that Yogama-san did when he no longer had the, the legal right to work on the SF3D property. So he did a totally different one called Robot Battle. I'm sure some of your <laughs> listeners know it. And that's what the Mark 44 kits are from. But, you know, subsequently, now that he owns all of these things, he's kind of been able to, to wrestle it back under his control. It technically belongs to part of his world, a part of his property, if that makes sense. So I thought it might be a nice introduction and they're just fantastic kits. It's probably the best building machine in Krieger kit that uh, exists right now. And I better stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So well, volume one, and, and yes. now now we're, we're at your, your, your current release. Yes. Luna Combat, volume two of, well, it's, I've made the mistake again. I'm, I apologize. No, 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 no. It's fine. <laughs> it's, we, we can roll with that. Lincoln Report, volume two, Luna Combat. Yes. So how is this different in terms of, well, I'm not in terms of the content of the book physically, but uh, sure. s- the spirit of the book. How is yes. this one different than, wow, thank you. Than, thank than, you. Volume, than volume one? I've not been asked that. And I was re- I'm really happy that, because we do look at books like that, don't we? They need an overall sort of theme. Then we cut it up and, and, and produce what's inside it, right? Yes. So, the very first one, the FAQ, is its its own thing. It's a, it's a technical book with uh, lots of products, and it's very it's very product focused and how to use them uh, for CFI, which is our, our Spanish friend say sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> Mark forty four, I planned as a guide, so it's more of a guide for that particular series of kits that 
that Mark 44 uh, version of kits, I think there's, there's six of them now. So it's a, a guide. And Lunar Combat was designed as a themed release that I could uh, propagate the genre through uh, showing different kinds, uh, differently skilled, different artists with different looks. So the first one, Mark 44, uh, only features the work from two people. It's uh, myself and Max Watanabe. It's kind of still the hobby Japan look, if that makes sense. There's not a lot of, uh, there's variation in our works, but there's not international works per se. Then Lunar Combat, I've been able to bring in five different friends from all around the world to bring in very different looks for Machining Krieger for the first time uh, in an official publication because they've not had them before. They've always been quite like the first one, Mark 44, quite limited, quite Japanese. This was the, the first opportunity to actually broaden the, 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 broaden the focus. I know it sounds like a bit of a oxymoron, doesn't it? But <laughs> to be able to get the different looks in. So we've got TJ Haller from the US. C. Lim from, uh, from Scotland. He's based up in Edinburgh. I've got uh, Mr. Jung from Korea. Uh, having a Korean gentleman in the Japanese property, it's a really big deal. Oh, uh, big deal. Yes, yes. Big so, and, deal. And he's <laughs> so good. Uh, we've got uh, Alex Duchamp, who's um, a Frenchman based in London. Um, and then that Aussie guy again. Well, we know TJ quite well, and uh, his work's well, really, really impressive. And and I'm here to tell you that you've gotten TJ addicted to these things. Uh, we're we're on DM with with different podcasters behind the scenes. Uh, we've all become yeah. friends. TJ is cranking out these mobile suits like yeah, yeah. nobody's business and <laughs> yeah. doing things that are wild. Uh, yeah, he's really, I, uh, really just seems to have fallen in love with the genre. Yeah. All your TJ, I belong to us. I, um, <laughs> I, T, TJ and I talk quite, uh, we were actually, we were having just a really quick uh, interchange this morning. Uh, no, I was, I was, Making a little bit of fun about uh, fun of him for choosing purple. Ah, uh, yes. I was going to ask you if he had showed you the purple one because well, I cannot at, wait to see what he does with that. I know we're on podcast, but if you look at the cover of Lunar Combat, you'll see the color he's chosen, and it's the the title cover for uh, Lunar Combat. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, inspired much, bro. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or you're too late. You're a visionary, but you're too late. Yeah, try. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it's fantastic. That's why I'm very happy to see that. Um, and also, his his concept is beautiful because uh, I've included a special operation snake eye in Lunar Combat, and uh, Machine and Cricket kind of it, it has this space white theme that they kind of let's let's say homaged from Stanley Kubrick. It, it's all over sci-fi, isn't it? Uh, yeah. White. Well, uh, not Star Wars sci-fi, but yes. Right. Star Wars is dirty sci-fi. <laughs> sure. But I, I mean, oh, no, no, but Machine and Krieger very much homaged from Star Wars. I mean, the, okay. the, the dirty look and so on. So it's often, it's called uh, Space White. It's it's white with a little bit of yellow. 
Right. And uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, expand the, the, the boundaries. And so if we've got space white, can we have space black? Um, and again, it's not pure white. It's actually quite a yellowish white. What would space black look like, you know, as a, uh, as a space camouflage? So I've gone with an extremely dark uh, navy blue based on a color that actually yokoyama san was using called uh, Mr. Color's Cowling Color. It's an mm-hmm. airplane color. Yeah. It's pretty nifty. So I like that TJ has actually rifted off that as well. Um, but instead of going blue, he's decided to, to shift it to purple. So you know, hats off. Well done. Well done, TJ. Make it <laughs> well, work. Uh, there's a modeler up in, in the Cleveland area named uh, Mark Smith, who's a really good aircraft modeler. And he did an entire, he did a 48-scale bow fighter, which had, was a night fighter in an overall black scheme. Nice. And nice. he did it without using any black. Okay. His point was, he called it black without black. And it was sure. blues and reds and purples and and grays and and showing that you can paint black without actually using the color black mm. and mm. and really an interesting effect on that. So yeah, it's a very interesting topic for us for our scale modelers because there's a, there's different ways to approach our use of color. Yeah, because we can we can do it as a miniature. I'm I, I, I'm not saying this is as a, as a as a as a proof. I'm just saying what we know. I'm agreeing with us in advance. Right. That we can use <laughs> the actual color that something is painted in real life, and then shrink it down. Sure. So we can do that. But then there's the representation of the color of how we would view it. Right. And it doesn't necessarily need to be exactly the same thing, does it? Because and Yokoyama-san would teach me that, kind of smack me over the head with that, by um, educating me through how the colors were depicted on box tops. Because often it's something I think we as scale modelers, we may not always take into consideration. You think like, uh, like for example, like uh, a black aircraft like the SR-71, for example, the U-2 or something like that. Right. Um, and the dam busters from, from World War II, the British uh, Lancasters, I think they were, weren't they? There's fantastic box art from them uh, that shows such a dip- different representation of the color. I know in real life they were quite a matte, very dark, near black. Right. But box art's never painted that color, is it? It's always got a, a lovely bluish hue. As you mentioned before, the reds, the oranges, the, the browns. Yeah, uh, are painted in as reflectives on the color, and yeah, we can use that in our in our model making. Especially, that's one of the things I do love about machining Krieger, because I don't feel that it's wrong. I feel that we can. It's it's a little bit more allowed, so to speak, to get away from the requirement to make it look real, right? Um, like it's it's made up anyway. Let's make it. In the immortal words, Mick Jimenez said this to me once. He said, look, it's fake anyway. Make it more fake. <laughs> Make it more fake. I like yeah, that. He's great. He, he's actually, he's very sharp. I learned a lot speaking, working with Miguel. I, I owe him a, a great deal. Really sharp guy. Great well, I, hair. Great belt buckle. Great, oh, we got to see him in San Marcos. And yes, he was, oh, nice. 
he was he was turned out to the nines. Um, yeah. <laughs> question for you that that has so, struck me: What do you think accounts, other than your promotion, uh, which is no small part of of the gaining popularity? No, it's but only. It's, I mean, Machine and Krieger, and it, <laughs> it's all you. Okay, that's, that, that answers the question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> but next, seriously. Next, next. Ask, but, ask me in a different way how awesome I am. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, I mean, the SF3D stuff, I remember back in the, <laughs> what, 80s, 90s? Oh yeah, we had this with, conversation earlier, didn't we? With Dave? with the with the brown boxes and all the, of that the, stuff. The, yeah, the Nitto kits. The Nitto yeah. kit, Nit, Nitto Nitto. No, it's all good. Nit, Nitto. Post pandemic, Machine and Krieger has just absolutely exploded over at least here in the U.S. That where you would you went to a nationals five ten years ago. You might see one machine and Krieger SF3D, uh, you know, type kit, but now they're they are gonna create a category just for machine and Krieger. Yeah, I mean that yeah, this yeah. stuff is so suddenly so popular. And while I brainwashed the right people, I was gonna I say, think you did. I, I was gonna say before we started that a goal of this conversation was that dave and i were, were not going to pretend that we know much about this genre because we sure. we, 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 we really don't and we don't but you know but it's exploded our, it our friends at, at the plastic posse podcast tj holler being one of them um they had the big group build at the nationals this year uh it it it, it is it, it is certainly gaining a lot of popularity over here and i, I asked him i asked tj directly I said, TJ, it's me, isn't it? <laughs> and TJ said, hell yeah, it's you, Link. Uh, and, and, I, I, no, I but, can hear but, him but, saying it. In, in his voice, I can hear him say that. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> and then he took a photo of me holding stuff up uh, and shining my light up under it. No, 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 but, but seriously, so I, I, I've, I've asked some of the guys because the, the people who do seem to be quite close to this, I've asked them, what the hey, hey is going on? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little bit more, a little bit more, but, but it does seem to be snowballing quite a bit. Yeah. And from what TJ uh, and, and those folks around him as well, I, I'm not going to name all the names. Because I can't remember them, but coffee's wearing off. That's all right. The, uh, <laughs> uh, the FAQ, despite the boss guy, and you know, I'll say this because it's funny. Uh, I'm weak to funny stuff. He was really angry with me for too much MAK, no more MAK. <laughs> um, and yeah, of course, he says it with an outrageous Spanish accent. Lincoln, <laughs> no, no more MAK. But that book, uh, because it was very well received, I've noticed it, it out of the different places it was it was uh, sold. It seems to have performed best in the USA. Hmm. Now, that's that's anecdotal from the feedback that's come back. To sure. Me. Oh, sure. I'm I'm not getting anything like that back from Europe or anything. I mean, I I still had people reaching out about it, but 
I noticed just a really big uptick in folks talking about it, sharing it. Uh, well, I, I think there's a connection here with, with, uh, it, yeah, I, I don't understand why it would just be the U S or North America, but, uh, through your work and the work mm. of others who are in this genre, yes. it's it's some very familiar, particularly with armor modelers. Yes, some very familiar weathering and uh, yes, yes, technique t- technique application to some really cool sci fi stuff where they don't have to be bound up by the historical yes bookends of this thing. Well, I was a new armor modeler when I discovered Machine and Krieger, so I was learning uh, as much as I could about armor modeling and armor modeling weathering in particular. Uh, so then as I became more involved with the machining Krieger stuff and started learning how to paint it their way, I then was applying Western armor modeling and, and say, uh, air modeling weathering techniques to it. So very much that kind of, uh, I was accidentally making a hybrid kind of look. So that, it just happened to be the right time for that sort of thing. And the FAQ very much had that in it because I managed to to plan and include a couple of pretty cool models that had a nice balance. Um, they, they were done partially in the Japanese way, then partially you know, in, a, in a Western way that, that we could all understand. So I think that, that touch point was also useful because I tried to show that it was quite flexible. I think some genre can can put some of us off because we don't get to we don't get to bring all of our skills with us. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Steve Martin. He's got an excellent uh, biography that I read, uh, and he talked that he mentioned that Johnny Carson told oh. him once when he appeared on the show. That's Steve Martin. Said, yeah, that's Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> That's Steve Martin. Uh, Johnny Carson said to him, he said, yeah, learn all of those, those silly things, the juggling, the, 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 the banjo playing, all of that. You'll use everything. That will all become useful for you. And I feel that Machine and Krieger can, can be lots of fun for many of us because we get to use everything you've learned. It's not just Warhammer painting. It's not just tank painting. It's not just... You can use anything you, you've ever learned and wanted to use and throw it on there. And it works. That is a really good insight that, that because of the fact that these things Thank are, you. and quote unquote, not real, that the palette becomes just so much more wide open yeah. for doing. Yeah, you just said what I was thinking. Anything. Like they can be in scale. Some of them are very vermacked looking right some of them are very spitfire looking so yep. you can bring that look in um but also if you've never done that kind of thing or don't care for it you can bring whatever of your looks in that you've you've developed over the years and even with our friends there going to, to nationals and the, the the different versions of fantastic machine krieger uh models i've seen like um mr bonani mm-hmm. he did this he did a uh a mark 44 and yep. my goodness, the, the airbrushed camo I, I saw on it, I was like, dude, it was so good because it was, um, I believe, advanced late war uh, German equipment style right. three-color three camo painted onto this uh, machine in a different scale, and it totally worked. 
It was really, really good. <laughs> then uh, T- John is a specialist in that camouflage. Oh, man, it was so good. That's why I've, I've asked him. Uh, let me just say, I've got feelers in place. I've got people working on it as we speak. Uh, bribing, trying to con- cajole John <laughs> into doing 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 something for me in the future. Then um, we've got folks like TJ. So that's why TJ was perfect for Lunar Combat because the Stral faction they bear some similarities. And now I, I say this: I'm very pro US. Okay, mm-hmm. I uh, big big fan of the United States. Uh, it's literally it is one of the it's the uh, greatest nation on earth for what you've been able to achieve and produce. So, so there's never any any slight you know, right. from from my point of view, and especially growing up in Japan, America's big, uh, and, and not in not in particularly bad ways either. Right, uh, you, you'd think because of the history, but but no, they um, they're very pro US. But where I'm going with this is, and the reason I'm buttering you up so hard <laughs> That's all right. is because the Stral, the Stral Democratic Republic, the SDR, um, they do bear some striking resemblance to modern-day uh, U.S. military because of their very broad reach and their use of, uh, of drone technology and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so... They're not in the in the stories. They're more a like a governing force that's been given the responsibility of taking over the earth. And some of the nitty gritty stories are more like uh, just, just something you would see locally uh, in a, in a, a a place that was newly newly formed, so to speak. So you bring up a good point well, that. The backstories that have been created for yes. these things really do provide a hook for a lot of people who get into it. They're mm. not just building the kit. They're really into the backstory that has been built around it by the mm. creators. Yes. And the backstories, too, they've evolved because, you know, 40 years is quite some time. Yeah, that is sometimes. From yes. <laughs> the beginning of it, they were written by a gentleman who was he was he was a an expert on the previous world uh, conflict. So he wrote things from a very uh, Germanic point of view. So mm-hmm. if you go back to the old boxes, lots of the the box prints were done for both sides. It was written in German, yeah. actual German. Yes. I don't know whether it was legit German or not, because <laughs> I, I, and I've had many German people tell me how wrong it is. I'm like, dude, I, I can't, I can't fix that. Wasn't right. me, but yeah, it wasn't me. I'm the one. I'm flipping it to wrong English now. So there's, there's that. But yeah, so it's changed quite a bit. So the Straub stuff uh, is very technologically advanced. They don't want to put boots on the ground. They've got to um, soften the story for the folks back home so that, uh, you know, they, they look favorably upon their uh, governing this, this earth that has been rediscovered. So that's why I, I, when your camera son was explaining to me, I was like, oh, gosh, you're right. I, I never would have put that together. So we, we haven't gone hard with that analogy, 
But I really wanted somebody like TJ to show his version of the Stral equipment. And that's what he's done with Lunar Combat. Uh, TJ's done a, uh, a Lunar Gans. It's like a, a mobile air defense unit they mm-hmm. had for defending operations on the moon. And wow, he's done a good job. Like it's as this thing could be real. You know, I, that's I, it. The, it, yeah. it, it, you look at these, these builds, the ones you're talking about now, but mm-hmm. across the entire genre. And, and that gets even back into Brian Krieger's primer at the IPNS nationals this, this year is this stuff looks like it could be real. Yes. And I think that's that's part of the that's part of the attraction to this. It has to be. Right. I've got a couple of friends that now, now humble brag, Kentucky Dave, ready? Yep. I've got a couple of friends who are like uh, I've got NASA and ex NASA friends, and I shoot them pictures of stuff I've, I'm doing for the space stuff, and I tell them, "Listen, you're my target market. I need <laughs> I need I need my NASA buddies to sign off on this. If it, if you think it looks legit." I'm on the right. I'm on the right uh, target here. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, making it look as if it could be real, whilst also expanding the the artistic kind of uh, uh, nuances that can that can be applied. Because we can't always do that when, when we're doing our Shermans. Right. We're not allowed to do it because we don't want to be beat over the head with the baguette for doing <laughs> it wrong, do we? No. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta make it look right. And yeah, it's, because it's, it's bookended and, by by history mm, and, and yes. reality. Right. Yeah. If you've got that Sherman that's in Bastogne, man, it better look right. But so for that one, I, I was able to uh bring in an, uh, another friend who produced something that is and we got to touch on this really cool topic of shibui. I'm sorry to speak Japanese, but we don't really have an English word for it. Even though famous Americans have touched on the idea, they, they, they became quite adept at it. I, I mentioned this in another podcast, you may have heard it. I was talking about um, Mr. Frank Lloyd Wright, yeah. mm-hmm. the architect, and his work, how he gets the simplicity into things that are quite complex. Yeah. And Alex was able to do that with, again, the, the Strahl equipment by doing a single color. It's blue, but my goodness, it's all kinds of happy blue. So <laughs> I knew we could make Yokohama sound happy with that one too because, <laughs> you know, it's the traditional sort of uh, Renaissance style of painting and color separation painted mm-hmm. onto, a, onto a machine and Krieger suit. So it's so much less but better. Uh, these kind of topics, I think they can be very attractive and fun for us as scale modelers that we can – we can try a little bit of something different. I think that's it. I, I remember in the eighties when this, the, uh, the Nitto kits first started showing up in the United States, the SF. Wow. The you SF3. do remember it. Wow. Oh, oh gosh, ab- yeah. ab- absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, wow. That's, that's kind of cool. But, but it was, so it was a little bit foreign too. It's like, I don't. Oh, it's totally foreign. Oh, I'm uh, and like, oh. I'm so I'm so jelly. I'll say jelly because I, I don't want to be, you know, angsty. But did <laughs> you guys both experience that real time back oh, in the yeah. day? That oh, absolutely, so cool. absolutely. And, and the thing I, is, back then they were rare as hen's teeth. When uh-huh. you saw one, it was 
you know, it's not like you could walk into any hobby shop and there'd be a, ma- a machine and Krieger section. Mm-hmm. You would see one of these kits somewhere at a show or somewhere in a hobby shop where they had a single kit and that was it. And I was going to ask you about that. We're talking about how suddenly it's exploded in popularity. Yeah. It's also suddenly and, and again, exploded. It's still me. Yeah. Yeah. It's all you. We're going to acknowledge that it's all you. But not only has it exploded. For the record, I know it's not me. I just I like joking around. Oh about God, it. yes, absolutely, absolutely. We're going to give you the credit okay. whether you want it or okay. not. No, no, no. But but not only is is it exploded in popularity, it's exploded in availability. Yeah. That you know, again, this stuff when Mike and I were were coming up, you saw it rarely, and if you were into it, you grabbed it no matter what the price because you didn't know whether you would see one ever again. Mm, But now it seems like to go along with the explosion in popularity, thanks to you, there's uh, an explosion (laughs) in availability where these things are readily available all the time. Whatever somebody's looking for, they can pretty much find it. Mm. Well, it's like Dave and I have known each other for 30 years because that's such, such a good segue. Yes. Link. Is that all my fault as well? No, yeah. and it's not any of your fault. <laughs> We've alluded to and, and kind of uh, copped to our age a little bit about seeing the SF3D stuff from Nitto sure. hit the hobby shop shelves yep. back in the 80s. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And Dave has mentioned that uh, popularity has increased and the availability mm-hmm. has increased. What is the current, I don't know if it's a hierarchy or it's a... Uh, the distribution of the of the franchise across different manufacturers. Gosh, that that's a very complex one. Uh, well, so, so let me but, let me back up. When 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 yeah, the, the era Dave and I are are reminiscing toward, which mm, was a long sure. time ago, by the way. Yes, uh, it was Nitto, and the kits were SF three D branded. They were in the brown boxes, which yep. that that all a lot of that has has carried carried forward. A lot of that's kind of the the theme of current products. Uh, but it was multimedia. There was rubber hoses. Yep. There was wire springs in Nito kit. Uh, how, what is the current product distribution? What brands are involved? And uh, if I wanted to say, buy what at one twentieth scale, uh, uh, Creta, the it's German for toad, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, th- that's the one that always caught my eye. The, the Walker with the big <laughs> Gatling gun on it. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 Nitto kit was multimedia. Yes. So that kit is still available, sort of. I think from somebody else, Hasegawa, or maybe I don't know right. who else. Wave, maybe. Yes. Uh, uh, I don't know the the contents of the kit anymore. What what? How is that propagated? And if sure. if, if someone was going to jump into this tomorrow. Would you shop for a vintage Nitto kit or would okay. you go for no, the current question. current offering? Okay. Excellent question. So I'd like to, to take that last part first, please. Sure. You do it however you want. Because that one makes a lot of sense to me. And this is something we talk about because if I'm really honest, the reality, the nitty gritty of how this works, as you buy Nitto stuff, 
that money doesn't go back to anyone anymore because Nito no longer exists. So understand that current releases though go back to the current manufacturers. So buying products as they're released um, through the standard distribution does help enable the current manufacturing to improve and uh, increase and get us new stuff. Buying the old helps to kill it. Buying the new <laughs> helps helps to helps to propagate, and, and that's what's been happening uh, because of the popularity of the new kits and say the, the manufacturers such as Hasegawa and Wave buying their stuff helps them to gives them that heads up, doesn't it? Oh, we sold X amount of this. That means we can maybe make a little bit more next time. There's uh, a couple of English language uh, books coming out that seem to be helping with the, the the release of these things. We can we can focus towards that. So I I definitely uh, ask people to try to buy the newer ones if they can. Plus, they're easier to make. Uh, the de- <laughs> the, just 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 simply put, the water slides are in better condition. It hasn't been holding up someone's uh, IKEA sofa for the past thirty <laughs> years. Sure, um, yeah, th- those kinds of things, and right. the newer ones have. I- I've been making this this series of the the Grosso Hunt kit, the big dog. Yes, and going from the first one, which was released in two thousand and uh, like eleven or so, and I don't know how old my kit was, I, but but anyway, that's when it was. That's the date on the box versus one that was made uh, last year. And it's quite different. The, the newer one was so much nicer to work on. I mean, it's got some nice new parts that are very crisp and clean. And the water slides are like, oh, that's how water slides are supposed to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, you put them in the water and they, oh, they water and they, slides. And they slide, yes. I see, I see what we're working with here. Oh, so, I, didn't, I didn't go from one decal to 12. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I've I've not tried it out yet, but apparently one of the the most recent they um, they released a, two two kits that would perfectly coincide with Lunar Combat. And yes, I knew they were coming. We planned this. Uh, there's a fireball stopgap, which is it was the first kit that Wave released using a combination of old Nito molds some new stuff and so on. That was 22 years ago. Can't believe it. And they've redone that one as a new kit. So it's a new tooling, uh, new new water slides. Apparently the water slides are amazingly good. So better than the other recent ones. It's like they somehow hit a switch and made, okay, now we'll make water slides correctly. It's 2023 now. Now water slides can be good. So there's that one and uh, a fliege. There's a um, the Strahl forces have got a couple of uh, human operated uh, battle suits for space. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the, there's one in lunar combat called the cults, and then there's the other one with the the faceplate called the fliege. And there's a brand new tooling of that that's that's available out now. I would ask people to. So, Mike, to, to come back to the question, I'd say jump on those new kits because they're the wave releases, the newest, latest that you can get, like in terms of tooling and the, the software products that come with them. 
They would be great ones to start your your Machine and Krieger extravaganza with. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to ask you a question that sure. comes <laughs> purely. I'm from scared a, with the wind up, Dave. Yeah, I'm no, scared sorry. with the wind up. <laughs> Pur- purely from a Western point of view, and what we see regarding in here in the West with companies buying up intellectual property. Okay. And I will, given the deep, rich backstory to all of the Machine and Krieger stuff, I am shocked that no major film studio, Netflix, somebody has not approached... Anime company, even yeah, in Japan. Ex- exactly. Somebody looks at this intellectual property and goes, you know what? We can create a film, an anime, a, a, a limited release TV series, something out of it. Do you know if there's been any exploration of that? Can I answer? Have you guys been watching the UAP um, <clears throat> UAP investigations with Mr. David Grush? Yes, yes. we have. <laughs> okay. That's how I need to answer this. <laughs> okay. I got a David Grush it. So gotcha. I gotta I gotta say NDA. So right. <laughs> I've got to be very careful how I answer questions like that. But uh, there's been I know there's been there's been historical. Uh, remember, uh, so I can talk about it in terms of Roswell. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> J- James Cameron uh, came and did a exploratory thing a very long time ago, before uh, quite quite some time back. That does not shock so, me. Yeah, I can so see that, him that, being that, a that's person. That's one of the very old ones. So, and damn, yeah. your your cell job must have sucked because I would really like to have seen that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the heck with this Avatar stuff. I would have liked to have seen Machine and Krieger yeah, on so the I, big screen. I, I didn't want to use those words, but yeah, exactly, right? So, so yeah, like uh, those kind of things are always sort of happening. And Gotcha. I get... Uh, like I'm allowed to say this because it happens to me. I get pinged all the time, and by people I don't know, who say, "Introduce me to your grandma's son." I'm like, can someone introduce you to me first, please? Yeah, <laughs> because I don't know you from Adam. So, right. what? What? And, and then they and then they go around me and they go, "Oh yeah." So that so your grandma's son. I, I was really impressed before the Mike said his name and said it like very nicely Ko your grandma and but I, I know when they write it they're saying it cow aren't they <laughs> thank, thank you you just know well, that, that we'll, these people we'll get to that in just a minute these people are writing it with no idea to me and they're going they go, yeah, yeah introduce me a cow and then next thing you know your grandma's sending me a message going dude these people are name dropping you to me do you know who they are <laughs> nah no no he's, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got that, but 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 worse. I politely replied, and I've not had a reply to my reply. Well, like, I would uh, I would not be shocked that there are plenty of people sniffing around this particular yeah. IP, given yeah. the richness, given the depth, given the the length of the backstory. The amazing thing is the the modest inception of this genre yes yes 
we, um, need, it, we need Papa Iga to, to come in and have a look, don't we? I mean, basically, <laughs> it was it was a comic strip almost, right? In in one of the Japanese model magazines. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 to, to get where it is now is is, and uh, I mean, we're talking about the '80s when there were kits available, so not not too so long before that, thirty years now at least, maybe more, forty almost is yep. is 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 amazing considering it's it's had no. It's had no major what I w- what we would call major IP a- attached to it. So right, it's, well, uh, last year was the fortieth anniversary because my uh, my first, the, the 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 first English book was my Mark forty four uh, publication. Was yeah, the, hmm. it had the forty year anniversary sticker on the front, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so that that was that was amazing. Let me just say that I hope your NDAs all work out really really well. The, the uh, I'm. I'm not an owner uh, at all. I don't. That's one of the things I've got to mention to people. I, I don't get to own anything. I ask permission to work with with this. So sure. So the, the, there's there's some of that, but um, I've been very careful to make sure uh, your Yamasan approves. Everything also uh, is good enough to 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 thank him for all of all right. of his work. So, for example, I, I'm about to uh, I. I don't know when uh, you're going to release the, the show, guys, but um, it will come about that I'll be appearing at a um, – well, I'll be going along to – sorry, appearing. It sounds a bit – we're getting back to it. So, yeah, it's all me, aren't we? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That's all right. I, I'm gonna, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to go along to um, a, a, a model show here, and I've got permission from Yogi Yama-san to, to call it a uh, an official machine and Krieger like presentation. So um, he said okay to that yesterday, and uh, that'll be kind of cool. And that's very important in Japanese culture. Oh, People don't realize yeah. that you know the the proper respect for up the line and the people who who came before you or created before you or who were the originators. Right. And and yeah. that, I think in the Western world, we don't have quite that concept, which frankly is a shame. No, no. I've, I, I've, in my dealings, like especially in the U.S., uh, people are very uh, polite and proper about it. Uh, interestingly, well, in, um, in dealing with stuff in Spain – uh, I got in trouble for getting permission for some stuff. They were like, why? Why would you tell them? Other people are going to ask now. <laughs> uh, I was like, no, it's the proper thing to do. You can't act like, you know, you, you own everything. There's, right. Yeah. And it's the proper way to go about things. Well, I'm going to change gears a little bit and because sure. uh, we're getting right in an hour here. Lincoln, It the first interview I heard heard you talking about machine and Krieger or your story or any, any of that was uh, on scale model podcast out of Canada. And Anthony Goodman was probably, oh, wow. yeah. was, was hosting that interview who does an incredible job. He's, he's a real natural at interviews, but uh, at the time I was working for a Japanese company in the United States. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and you made a comment about, can you show uh, us on the teddy bear where they, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you made a comment about how, and I can't remember the context that led into this comment from you, but uh, 
you, you were talking about in Japan, they develop all this great technology, but these, particularly the larger Japanese companies, I'm, I'm, I'm adding a little bit here, uh, sure. were very, very, very slow to adopt the technology. And uh, it, this really resonated with me because I was working for this Japanese company, a, 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 a tier one automotive supplier to like companies like, uh, you know, automotive Subaru, uh, General Motors, all the big big corporations in the United States, uh, pretty much everybody but Toyota. And <laughs> in, in in the company I was working for, even even a meeting of five people about a certain topic generated like four hard copy documents that'd be filed away in three ring binders, and they were so far behind the times. I, I, you said something mm. about Japanese companies not being quick to adopt technology of their own creation. That really, really mm. resonated, mm. really resonated with me. And I, I just wanted to, to bring that up. I don't know if you have any comment about that or not. Uh, if, if it's bad, we'll edit it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, uh, 100%. Yeah. They, uh, uh, it, it, that, that was the thing that you're talking about machining Krieger. And I'm like, I remember from the eighties and I saw these kids and I was listening to what you were saying. And then you got to this and it was like, Oh wow. He just really shifted down into my lane. And now I know I, I really understand what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Japan is fascinating like that, that they, um, Japan tends to innovate and then hold on to it uh, for, for, should I say for grim life, for grim death? I, I, I'm not sure, not sure which <laughs> and, way I'm supposed to go with and that. And sell it to everybody else. Yeah, well, yeah. Inside Japan, they'll often they'll often talk about it. They'll, they'll either call it the Wimbledon effect, or some of the technologies. Then they'll call them. They'll say it's like a Galapagos type of thing because uh, the rest of the world moves on with other versions, whilst they're left, you know, with the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Wim Wimbledon, that's the one where only foreigners are allowed to win it. They they invent the game and they have the best version of it, but only people from outside win it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Japan tends to go through that quite a bit. Uh, I think the 1980s were another fantastic example of them being so highly innovative, yet uh, some of those things have have not continued to be developed since then. I mean, it would depend on your point of view. Like, for example, both Gundam and Machinenkrieger happened, well, technically Gundam just peaked in before 1980. Technically, I think it's 1979. But almost the same decade. Uh, some fantastic things were developed, yet they've gone through now a period of not making so many things. But I guess it just depends on how you how you quantify it, though, because there's some people talking about One Piece, the animation, but even that's not new anymore. That's been around for a while. I think I'm totally off topic, aren't I? No, no, no. no. That, and that makes sense, all, yeah. So, it's all of a piece, and it it, mm. it, it, it is truly, go. you loop it back to the fact that Machine and Krieger existed you know in one form or another since the 1980s and only now 2023 is it breaking out of japan and mm. at least in the u.s really 
coming of age here. And I kind of wonder what feedback effect that's going to have in Japan. Is mm. the is the sudden increased demand and popularity and the fact that all of this stuff now gets shared on social media, et cetera, is that going to loop back to Japan and cause them to further develop it, to, to expand to creators outside of Japan or, or, I mean, obviously you're doing your second book. So at least to some extent, although you're still deeply connected to the, to the home islands, as it were, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see more, what we're going to see out of that effect. Yeah, that's a very broad reaching question that I'm, you're probably more, like in many ways, you're probably better situated to be able to see the ramifications of this development than I am. Because my, my view of the world through my little microscope, through the straw, mm-hmm. is, is still very limited. But I've noticed that uh, when I ask to do things, the yes comes back much faster than it used to. That's interesting. Now it's like, you know, uh, it's almost like talking with TJ Haller again, but in Japanese. (laughs) When I ask if I can do something, I'm getting the Japanese equivalent of, hell yeah, what do you need, Link? So um, If you can teach TJ Japanese, that'll be a win. No, I, I think TJ is doing very well how he is. I mean, <laughs> again, that's why I said that when I asked him, you know, and, and TJ almost seems to – one of the things I'm super happy and proud about TJ and his development is he makes things that I want him to make without asking him to. Uh, uh, as an interesting aside, you, you may see that he was working on a Folke kit and – that happened. He started sharing that, I think, whilst you guys were traveling home from the, the national show. Yep. I was waiting. I was biding my time because I knew he had the poker. I had a road trip. I'm biding my time <laughs> to ask him if he wanted to work on a folkcare project. He answered that for me in advance by sharing a picture of his built and ready to go, ready to paint folkcare. <laughs> it's like, well, there's, there's my answer. TJ's out, in front, TJ's out in front of this one. So yeah, it's 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 kind of like that. So so he's not going to learn Japanese, and, I don't, I, I, and I, how do I say it? Um, yeah, I'm just not going to touch on that one. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's, it's 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 such a weird it's such a weird little thing, isn't it? That yeah. I'm very happy well, to be able to get it out there and not be restricted to. How do I say it? Because you know, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop the truth bombs because I know people can see this. When I first started taking my little show on the road, once I was no longer based in Japan, I started getting a lot of, uh, I started learning new words like weeb and uh, stuff like that. And the, the, so the concept of Japanophilia had mm-hmm. already come up to me because we would see those folks come to, come to Japan. I would see them in my local area where I lived. You know, my wife and I would spot them and go, like you'd see a kid with the parents, and you go, ah, that, those poor parents are stuck. The kids learned something from some weeby show. 
and, <laughs> and, and dragged the poor parents to Japan and demanded that they do this thing. And the parents are like, WTF, what are we doing here? Well, <laughs> the, the, the other people here are not dressed like this. What's going on? Ir- so, ironically, mm. both of my Chinese daughters want to go to Japan. Both of them want to uh, uh, want to, to visit Japan. They have a deep right. interest in Japan. Japan and Korea's propaganda <laughs> sale of yeah. culture is doing really well. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, my 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 daughter gets this one quite a bit. She'll have a lot of people mention to to her their affinity for for anime. She's like, what? Um, so yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I see, and, and Asian folks growing up overseas, I see it as a wonderful, it's a good opportunity for them to, it's a way for them to be different, isn't it? Yeah. I, and, and I, I understand that. I, um, I grew up, you know, gosh, how do you say it? Like, it wasn't different, different, but, you know, at least, at least different complexion. Right. So, I, I, I do understand part of that that need, but yeah, it's it's just a thing, um, yeah. and I think it's all good. But oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of the things I really wanted though for Machine Cricket though was, and it's going it's going super well, is for like seeing folks overseas. Hopefully, I can see some some more here in Australia. Seeing at the U.S. Nationals there, oh wow, seeing so many people. You know, doing their thing with it. It's great. Um, yeah. No, it's fantastic. Really happy about that. Well, we're really happy that you took your time to talk with us tonight. Really appreciate you having come on the show, Link. And uh it's been a lot of fun. Mention the book one more time. That's the get off cue, isn't it? No, that's you've, the mention the talk, book one more time. Kid. You've talked <laughs> long enough, Link. We've had enough of you. Out you get. <laughs> No, it was great. I uh, I really appreciate the different kinds of questions. I um I actually had to think a couple of times, and I I hope the insights and and chatting about them. I hope it was interesting uh, for the listeners. Hope it was something different. Uh, uh, well, it's interesting for us. So uh, now go I'm, buy my I'm, bloody I'm, book. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mention the title one more time. I, I'm hoping to bring back a second edition of the first one because it sold out reasonably quickly. We didn't think we'd get to those kind of numbers. So please keep in touch on that one. I'm on paintonplastic.com and I'm producing a series of English language books on Machine and Krieger called the MAK Lincoln Report. And I've just released, just releasing uh, volume two called Lunar Combat. And Lunar Combat is... Myself and friends are sharing our lunar combat-inspired works based on special operations across the lunar orbit. It's really good. Even though I made it, I still say it's really good. Thank you, sir. It's been a lot of fun. I, no, it was you, really fun. Thank you. Uh, I, I, well, I think I was so, too. Scared. Uh, I'm scared talking with you people in case you say, so what, what the hell is this, this thing you're doing? You know. <laughs> but no, you guys were great about it. Thank you for... Uh, knowing so you, you you said you didn't know anything but you know you really sandbagged it there you came in at the expert level and asked fantastic questions we did some thank research you. yes thank you i sincerely appreciate that well dave that was fun i that was real fun I've, first first of all you you never you always have a fun time talking with an aussie 
They are just, they're the most gregarious people on the planet. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you just can't help yourself having a, having a wonderful conversation. And, you know, he gave a real picture into an area that A, is exploding in popularity, and B, I will admit I have little to no visibility in. I mean, I knew what it was. I, mean, I saw the stuff back in the 80s and 90s, but I I really didn't have any in any knowledge of the background and how it evolved and where it's going and and how he got involved in it as a Westerner in Japan. And it just is fascinating. I'll, I'll say that. We talked to him for as long as we did. We could have gone on twice as long and, and, and not exhausted the, the stuff we wanted to talk about. <laughs> so I guess we get Devin back. Yes, we will have to. Well, Lincoln, thanks for coming on. And, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. And in closing on the special segment here, his book again coming out is Luna Combat. It's the Machine and Krieger Lincoln Report Volume 2. If you go to his website, paintonplastic.com, that's paintonplastic, all strung together there, .com, paintonplastic.com. The pre-orders are up. You can pre-order the book now. The target ship date is sometime in the month of September, which we're getting close to the middle of now. We'll be shortly anyway. So get on there if you're interested in Machine and Krieger and uh, check out Link's pre-order page for his book and uh, buy it. Absolutely buy it. Dave, it is time for the Benchtop Halftime Report. And before we get too far into that, as an aside... Um, we're going to talk about something else for a couple seconds here that uh, it's Uh-oh. not quite mildly related. <laughs> uh oh, what's the benchtop halftime report? Did you catch that Colorado TCU game? Uh yes, I did. Oh man, Deion Sanders, man, giving the sports media the basically the uh, the STFU. Yes, because TCU was in the stinking playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, last they, year they were in the championship game last. Oh, year. that's right. They got so. blown out by Georgia. Well. They just lost to Neon Dion and his upstart program. So. Hey, I I am a a lo- I was for many years a long suffering Washington Redskins fan, so I remember Neon Dion from back in the day. And while the guy talks a lot, he does a you, lot. <laughs> you gotta say he he puts his money where his mouth is, and you know. I forget who said it, but uh, it ain't bragging if you can do it. <laughs> and he certainly did. Well, and it was awesome. And I was happy to watch college football. I'm happy to see it back. And I've got to tell you, I'm looking forward to El Asenio, which is the Iowa-Iowa State football game this weekend, which... <laughs> Usually is a flaming dumpster fire in one way or another, and I cannot wait to see in what way it is uniquely terrible this year. Well, back to scale modeling, which is yes. folks, what folks are here for. Though we can talk sports if you want to talk sports in the emails, <laughs> folks. Yeah. Or in the messenger. Um, what is up on your bench, Dave? I know what is. Well, How's it going? Well, two things. One, the F8 is 
they're it's um it basically ready for decals on the fuselage. The wings have already been decaled. Then it is from there gloss uh, weathering fiddly bits, and it's done. And so I am still on track to get it done for the regional. But I did sin a great sin, which I said I wasn't going to do, but I did it. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Septemberists. Our friends, the Septemberists, the guys, a bunch of guys who are 72nd scale modelers, who had the Mosquito Group build at San Marcos, which was only two years after it was supposed to be done for Las Vegas. But um, they're doing a group build for Madison for D-Day and uh, 72nd scale D-Day engineering related items. And we're talking among ourselves. It gets you fired up. Uh, one of the things I decided I wanted to do one or more landing craft. So I, I found after some searching through the stash, cause I couldn't find it initially, which says a lot about my stash. I found the trumpeter LCM three and I started building it and it just reinforced to me what I found, which is my favorite part of modeling is now construction. Uh, if you put me in a time machine, send me back 15 years and talk to 15 to 20 year ago me, I would be shocked that current me is saying I enjoy construction because 15 to 20 years ago me was all about getting the model to the point where it was paint and decals, which was my favorite part. So I don't know why the transition happened. I don't know what happened, uh, but I can certainly see how many modelers end up at this point where they have a lot of built, but not yet painted models. Our local club president, Stu Cox, is famous for this. Uh, in fact, he's known as Optimus Primer because he builds kits, he'll prime them, and then he stops. And then he goes and builds another one. So he'll get a buildup of five or ten models all sitting there in primer. And then he'll ultimately end up painting them at that point. But I can see how people enjoy the building part and i'm shocked but it's true anything else mm, so far the trumpy kit's pretty good it no, is not good. perfect uh it's it's not up to the standards of an arma kit or well is that kit is is that kit is it a what to say is it a is there another manufacturer that an older kit that, that one would replace in terms of quality Dragon makes one, and I don't know whose was first. Uh, and you know what? I, I do not know if, if the dragon and trumpeter ones have any commonality. Uh, I don't think so, but it didn't, there might have been a very old LCM three kit, but I don't remember it. This it's pretty good. It's not perfect. The engineering is is like I said, it's not up to to quite the new modern standards, but uh, so far so good. And I'll put some pictures in the dojo, even though, like I said, I 
I had promised myself I wasn't going to start anything new till the F8 was actually completely 100% done, but I guess I can't hold myself to that. <laughs> so that's what my benchtop looks like. And it also has reached critical mess, so I've got to I got to do something about that. So <laughs> better take care of that. Yep. So what's your benchtop look like? Well, I talked about the catapult and the launch trolley last time, so that's kind of sitting off in the display case to not collect dust. Um, I mentioned last time about trying to apply maybe an acrylic wash to the entire E16, Paul. Yeah. Well, I started trying to do that on the pontoon. Yeah, that didn't work. Okay. Um, you know, luckily this thing's a primer coat, base coat. I'm going to do a lot of uh, black basing type pre-shading right. stuff on it anyway, so it's not like it was a disaster, but... Uh, uh, the Vallejo acrylic wash I had would just beat off the Mr. Surfacer 1500 primer. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, that goes to speak to the quality of the Mr. Surfacer primer. Well, I don't know what it, it I don't know if that's a quality statement or not. It is, it is an incompatibility with the, uh, acrylic wash. That's for sure. Well, it's a very smooth finish. I mean, Mr. Surfacer 1500 puts out an extremely smooth, hard finish on a model. And I've buffed it down, so it's pretty smooth. So that, that yeah. may be part of it, or maybe the entirety of it, but uh, that didn't net as it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and then I went to a a, uh, a MIG wash, you know, a, a pre an enamel. enamel wash. And uh, not sure I was liking that either, so I didn't pursue that. And I wiped most of all that off. So it's... It's kind of still where it was. It's got some stains on it, but nothing that's not going to get covered up anyway. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, there I am experimenting on my, m making a mule of my. Yeah, you don't want to do that. My, my big project here. So um, I'm probably just going to go do it all with the airbrush. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's not a bad way to go. No, because... I think that'll be a, a better position. Yeah. Because maybe I know what I'm doing. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that KV-85? KV-85 is collecting dust. It'll come up in the next segment as well, but uh, I've been uh, working on some 3D prints from that Faustus Flak Panzer 38D I was talking about in uh, Faves and Yawns last episode. Yeah. Actually acquired those files and have been printing them. It's going to be a double whammy on what broke my wallet, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I can say one thing. Um, the, the parts are good and it's well within the, my printer's capability, so it's all going pretty well. I'm, 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 I have no reservoir of resin now, so I'm going to have to order another cartridge for the printer. But uh, I've got about two, not two. I got about a third of the parts printed. Printed with the the first one, I went ahead and printed the hull, which is the upper and lower hull, all one one big hollow piece. It's beautiful looking. Yeah, it looks nice. Uh, I actually had to print it twice. This is kind of the reason I'm. I'm <laughs> Out of resin, it was. You a learned self, a lesson, didn't you? Self-inflicted uh, harm that that may benefit some uh, other three D printers out there. Uh, typically, with the small stuff, I'll just wash it at home in plastic containers. The, the alcohol rinse to get the right. un uncured resin off the part. Uh, the larger stuff, I'll take into work with me, and because we have a Form Labs wash station and a Form Labs curing station there actually two wash stations and one cure station and i just work it in with the daily stuff coming off the printer right and do a really thorough job but to do that i have to take my build plate out of the printer put it in a plastic bag and then 
put it in my backpack and take it to work. Up until this summer, that's not been a problem. But this time (laughs) when I did it, my my car is broken, like we said, but the AC has been broken long before. So it was kind of hot. The bag I put it in was not very opaque and the bag was sticking to the uncured resin on the model. Yeah. And it was probably getting enough UV to start to cure that resin. So when I get the thing to work and pull it out, it doesn't look like anything's happened to it. It's got places on it where the bags was touching the, what I thought was uncured resin. And it was when the bag first contacted (laughs) it. But in the 20 minutes it took me to drive around new circle road from my house to work. Uh, it had gotten enough heat and enough UV to start to cure. So when it came out of the wash tank, it still had all these plastic bag impressions all over it. Oh, so <laughs> that, that was a bummer. So I reprinted it um, after really coming close to just throwing in the towel and cutting my losses and saying to hell with it. Uh, I was like, no, I think I, I think that's what it was. And uh, I'm, I found a box that would hold the build plate with the model on it. And I put some foam around where the, handle on the build plate is so it wouldn't tip over and printed it again. It came out really nice and I put it in the box, put the box in a a completely black plastic bag, put that in the car, took that into work and washed it and it it all came out fine. So lesson learned, lesson learned. I I need to be careful. I need a wash station at home is what I need. And I think that's, uh, since I get the car fixed, that's going to be my next wallet breaker. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was probably, it was 90 that day. Yeah. So it's pretty hot in the car, even with the windows, it, windows down at 50 miles an hour. Right. You live and learn these things. I mean, it just, I would rather not learn that one. Yeah, because, I know. Uh, that was, that was that probably, was, that was expensive. expensive. Yeah. That was expensive. So, yeah. Uh, that's all, man. That's all I've been working on. I got this Mooseroo cup staring at me, but, uh, yeah, you better get to it. You don't want to take my word for it. You don't want to wait till the last minute. Oh, I'll get this one done. <laughs> it's going to be good. But uh, now I've got a warning from a listener, so I got to, to be careful. <laughs> Mike, uh, have you been spending any money on modeling? Uh, a little bit. And uh, we just mentioned it. Uh, I bought these Faustus 3D print files, which were not not inexpensive for what, mm-hmm. you know, for, for data. It was, uh, it's about $48, I think, to get those. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've spent the money there. I got to buy another stinking tank of resin. That's going to be pricey because uh, that's the ball and chain on the Formlab stuff. You kind of locked into their supplies. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to make another model transport error and burn a bunch of resin for no reason. <laughs> well, not only that, but let's face it, that's a, Dang, dang good printer. I mean, it's it's well, it's it, it, it's not your entry level. No, but I, I will I will say, admittingly, and I knew this when I was when I got it that uh, there are some of these desktop hobby printers that will uh, they'll print circles around this thing if you want to start getting into the really fine detail. Really, it will. Yeah. So I I, I paid for simplicity for the most part. And that's going to do almost everything I want to do on it, just because of my build philosophy. I'm not one is inclined to put all those tiny details on something that I'd rather add them later on my own, but uh, that may be a cop out answer, but that's kind of <laughs> the way I, I think about it right now. And sure. Uh, I, I'm going to have to live that or else I'm going to be augmenting this printer with another one at some point. And uh, we just don't want to go there. No, we, we don't <laughs> No, Especially since you don't have the wash station yet. 
no. So, uh, that's, uh, that's about it. I've not spent much money since nationals. I got my eye on a few things, but I'll save those for the next time this segment rolls around. What about you? Well, uh, I'm I'm in a very similar situation. Um, uh, I had a on my 1994 Supra, my radiator after 29 years uh, finally gave out, so I've had to order a Hashimoto racing radiator, aluminum racing radiator, and so money that I was going to spend model model on modeling adjacent items. Uh, went to that. So I'm, I'm really pretty, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm building a kit that I had in the stash rather than going out and buying a new one. Um, I've got to get my supplies organized, but generally I have everything I currently need to finish up my current projects. And, uh, I'm also kind of financially exhausted from the nationals that happens every, (laughs) you can't go to the nationals and not spend some money. Your, your level of restraint at the nationals was impressive to me. Uh, I can't, I can't quite manage that level of restraint. Uh, Well, had the the right things been there, I wouldn't have either, but yeah, well, some days it's just not there. It's just not that's right. right. That's right. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I probably, and I don't anticipate, I will be honest with you between now and the end of the year, there's one or two things I have my eye on, but in general, I'm probably going to other than supplies, paints and, and thinners and such, I'm probably going to be very limited in my modeling spending throughout the end of the year. Of course, now I say that, but I'm going to go to the regional and there are going to be vendors there and that, that, <laughs> that may all end up out the window. We'll see. Well, I noticed Brian at Scale Reproductions posted he had that uh, 30-second scale TIE fighter kit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you need to go by there and make sure they're all gone. <laughs> no, no I, do. no, I don't. But if I go by there and take a picture, uh, you know, I'll ask you if you want me to pick it up for you. And I'm a little worried Link's going to drag me down this rabbit hole of machine Krieger at some point. Yeah. Well, give, <laughs> hey, listen, given what, uh, given what TJ's doing with those mobile suits, man, I can see really easily getting dragged down that kind of rabbit hole. That's right, man. So that's all I've got going on for what broke my wallet. Me too. Mike, we're almost at the end of the episode, and I'm almost at the end of my beer. Brewhouse Brown Ale, 5.4% ABV. It has notes of chocolate and coffee in it. I get, I don't know that I get the chocolate. I get the coffee kind of as a tang rather than a, a taste that I identify as coffee. And I'll be honest with you, generally, I am not a fan of brown ales or or stouts or chocolate stouts or things like that. But this is actually really pretty darn good. So whoever brought this to us at the Nationals, please reach out because I, I, I've enjoyed this. This has been a definite one that, that gets me through the episode very pleasantly. How about you? Well, I tell you, if this... Uh Lark cast strength uh, single malt whiskey had been made in Scotland. It would be a scotch. 
Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's that's the vibe this this has. It's good. I'm I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. It's a little hot. It's 116 proof. Well, cast strength. Yeah, it's cast strength. strength. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little hot. Uh, it's got a pretty good flavor. Now, it probably doesn't have the you know the peat smoke. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Does it have a peaty or a smoky back? No, but it's it's got the well. Th- this is a small bottle. It's a hundred milliliter bottles, and I've I've put it down to the halfway line. So uh, when I come see you next time, you yeah. can try it for yourself. Well, you and I've got some bottles to exchange. We're going to have to work that out. So, Paul, it's good. I would definitely have some more of this. Um, I wish I had more. Yeah. Um, this this reminds me of any any scotch I've I've had really. Yeah. Not not so much a bourbon. Gotcha. So so I'm I'm real curious. I'm going to get online and and check it out. So it's Lark Distillery, and again, it's uh from Hobart, Tasmania. So yeah, Tasmanian whiskey. There you go. Hey, we we get it from all over the world. That's right. So, Mr. Gloucester, thanks a lot. Yes, thank you very much. Finally, I'd like to, for my shout-out for this episode, shout-out my fellow IPMS eBoard members, not to pat ourselves on the back, but these are a bunch of guys who are giving up their time to try and make sure that there's a national contest every year and that everything runs smoothly. A particular shout-out to fellow podcaster John Bonani. John has gone above and beyond to help the society and help the society grow. Uh, His efforts have not always been appreciated the way they should. And um, John, if you're listening, I just want to I just want to give you a special acknowledgement and thank you for all of the stuff that you've helped accomplish on the eboard. You have a shout out, Mike. I do. It's going to be the typical one. Uh, we got some uh, new new patrons, Mister uh, William William Lombatus and uh, our friend Chris Doppler from the Doonland Club up there in Indiana, who we'll hopefully be talking to again later. Uh, both these gentlemen have chosen to uh, support Plastic Model Mojo with their wallet via Patreon. If you'd like to follow in their footsteps, uh, you can do that by going to www.patreon.com/slash/plasticmodelmojo, and there you can make a contribution a recurring contribution of any amount from a dollar on up. And we really appreciate that. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution or manage your own recurring contribution, you can do that through PayPal and you go to www.paypal.com. And in the upper right corner of the homepage is a heart icon. that will take you to our PayPal link. We do this show for you. Uh, this is your show. The support is much appreciated. And uh, as we grow and we put out more content, it gets a little more expensive as we go along. We implement some new things and, uh, new services to help us along and do things a little better. And all this money that folks have uh, contributed to the show are, is greatly appreciated. And uh, William and Chris, thank you for joining the ranks of our patrons. And uh, all of you folks, thanks a lot. Expect an email for the call-in show. Yes. Thank you very, very much. Keep an eye on your emails, guys. And that's it. Unless you got another, another shout out, Dave. That's it. That's it, Mike. I think we're at the end of the episode. And you know what they say. So many kits, Dave. So little time, Mike. See you soon. We'll see you at the regional. You got it.